pray together. Thank you, God, for your presence here among us this day. As we have gathered together in worship, we pray now that you will teach us and that you will instruct us, help us to put aside whatever thoughts uh, preoccupy our minds, whether of the past or of the future. We pray that we would be able to be now in your presence by your Spirit speaking to us. Through Christ we pray. Amen. You should have received a bulletin when you came in, and inside the bulletin is a, a page entitled Message Notes. You may want to uh, jot down material uh, and fill in the blanks from this, uh, on that page with the, this message. As you've already heard, this message begins, is the first message in the series on uh, I will be or I am a church member from this book by Tom Rainier. The church board read this book together and discussed it, and as a result of that, decided we should ask to invite the congregation then to be involved as an entire congregation on to look at this book by having a series of sermons. So we begin today, we take a break on August 28 for Children's Sunday, and then this series will run through September 18. And in his introduction, Tom Rainier tells the story of two church members, which are Michael and Liam. And they began meeting for breakfast, these two men. They met for breakfast at 6 a.m. for the past five months. And they were also together as a couple's Bible study uh, in, as part of the small group that their church had. Their men, the men thought that their meeting would be a one-time event, but they discovered that they enjoyed the time so much that they decided to, to uh, continue it each week. It became a weekly occurrence. These two men had much in common. They each had three kids, and their conversation focused on sports, family, and politics. And in addition to being uh, similar in each having the same number of children, they were both college football fans. And these guys enjoyed, uh, of course, good-naturedly trash-talking the other team when they were together. But on one particular Monday morning, the conversation turned serious. Michael and his wife had noticed some changes in Liam in their Bible study. He no longer seemed as interested in studying the Bible. In fact, he was more interested in talking about the church, and his comments were often critical of the congregation where both of these couples had their membership. And this Monday morning, rather than eating the eggs that he had ordered, he shared his heart with Michael. Leanna and I have decided to leave the church, Liam told Michael. Liam, at the invitation of Michael, began to tell Michael about his feelings and the decision why they decided to leave. Leanna and I went to church to learn deep truths about the Bible, Liam offered but our pastor is just not feeding us. We're ge- we are not getting anything out of his messages. 
And so sitting in worship in Sunday mornings is a big waste of time, he said. And then he had more to say. There are several great people in our church, but honestly, Michael, our church is full of hypocrites. And Liam continued to rant until he seemed exhausted and no more words came. And he told Michael, I really like you and Karen and the kids, but you seem so enthused about the church and you keep serving and contributing. I wonder at times if you are blind to all the problems in the church. And then Liam offered a closing that really spoke more than he realized when he said, we are really two different types of church members. Why do we have such different perspectives? He asked. And then Tom Rainier goes on with that as an introduction. And he points out that according to research done between 2004 and 2010, he states that nine out of 10 churches in the US, nine out of 10 are declining or growing at a pace that is slower than the growth of their communities. They're either declining or if they are growing, they are growing at a pace slower than the growth in population of their communities. So with this story that Tom Rainier shares of these two church members, let's discover the joys and the privileges of, of church membership, and let's look at what Paul has to say in the first letter to the Corinthians. And instead of being a whiner and instead of being a complainer, let us continue to pray consistently and persistently and fervently and allow God to make the changes within us and also the changes within our congregation as we walk in what the Spirit has told us as we walk in freedom, for freedom Christ has set us free. So in 1 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11, Paul discusses the spiritual gifts and he indicates that there's a diversity of gifts, but there's a common source and aim for these gifts. Now that's not the that's not the part of the passage we'll look at chapter 12, but the latter part of that chapter I want to focus on. But Paul here in this passage in the first part of chapter 12 wants to take the focus off tongues and look at all the gifts and states that the, in the church we need a variety of gifts. So Paul is not putting down tongues, but he's taking the focus off of that particular gift and saying we need all the gifts of the Spirit. So if we look at the variety of our natural world, we look at the variety of the birds and the variety of insects, including the, the butterflies we can, and the flowers, we can see that God loves diversity. And so Paul is saying in the same way, there's a diversity of gifts. And in these gifts, there's a common 
there's a common source and an aim for these gifts. He says in verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can each help each other. Richard Hayes, in commenting on this verse, says, all members of the community receive gifts of the Spirit, not just a few leaders or spiritually super-endowed prodigies, end of quote. So Paul is saying that every person, every person in the body of Christ has gifts that can be used and that will be used, need to be used in the body of Christ. And it's these gifts are not for our own, to puff up ourselves for our own pride or a big word, self-aggrandizement. Not to call attention to ourselves, but to say that this together is a gift that God has given to me and I will use this gift as a member of the body of Christ. They are to be used to help, assist, and serve each other. Used for the good of the entire community for, we might say, as it is put sometimes, for the common good. Using these gifts in the body of Christ. Richard Hayes comments, quote, Furthermore, the whole purpose of God's distribution of these gifts is for the benefit of the community as a whole, not merely a private edification of the individuals who receive the gifts, end of quote. Now, all the gifts that Paul mentions in this passage to the, to the Corinthians the gift of wisdom and knowledge and faith and healings and working miracles and prophecy and discernment of spirits and the interpretations of tongues. All of these gifts, I believe Paul is saying, are to be found in the local body of Christ, in the local church. Again, quoting Richard Hayes. The church as a whole is envisioned as a charismatic community in which the power of the Holy Spirit is palpably present, operating through the complementary gifts of its various members, end of quote. The Holy Spirit is palpably present, and I sense that I was aware of that here this morning, that the Spirit has been present in what has been shared in the, in the, uh, in the prophecy time, that we give opportunity for that, and that the Spirit is present as we sing and as we share together. And then as part of the Spirit being present, it means that there will be miracles and there will be, it'd be uh, ways that we cannot comprehend that are by the Spirit of God. So we should not be surprised at answers to prayer. We should not be surprised at miracles when the miracles are reported in answers to prayer of healings, either spiritual and physical. When those healings take place, they are part of the body of Christ. And it's part of using our gifts. And we should expect those and we should anticipate those that those are taking place within the body of Christ. So we should not be startled when God is working in that way. And I suggest that this takes place as all members, as everybody, as every person in the body of Christ uses their gifts to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And that as we, 
as I remember, this was a long time ago, I remember the college pastor who was uh, at college at Eastern Mennonite, uh, Truman Brunk Jr. He preached a sermon and the title of his sermon that we were serving as a priest at each other's elbow. We are serving as priests at each other's elbow. And that's, I believe, how Paul wants us to use these gifts, as a priest at each other's elbow. Therefore, while there's diversity of gifts, there's one source, the Spirit of God. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone, Paul says, decides which which gift each person should have. So, to recap here at the beginning, what, what I'm saying and what Paul is saying is there are many gifts in the body of Christ, but there's one goal and one aim in using these gifts, and that aim is to assist and help one another and to be working together in the body of Christ in a common vision of what God is calling us to be and to do. Let's look now then in more detail in the latter part of this chapter in verses 12 to 26. And um, my wife, Anna Nolt, and I will read this in alternate fashion. It will be on the screen. It's also in the Pew Bible, page 1137. First Corinthians 12, 12-26 Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Thank you, Anna. So in this section, Paul uses the body metaphor to get his point across that there's diversity, that there's diversity within the body and every part is not the same. Paul emphasizes that the goal of diversity is to be the body of Christ. Paul says in verse 12, Paul says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body And then he says, so it is with the body of Christ. So Paul suggests that with all this diversity, that that is a positive thing with the body, with the natural body. That the diversity and using the different parts and those different parts working together enhances the health. In fact, those those parts of the body working together need to work together to provide proper health of the body. And in the same way, the, the health of the community is enhanced as every part of the body, of the local body of Christ, works together. All believers serve each other. They're used for the common good of the entire community, for the common good. Those persons who received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord are baptized with the Spirit of God. And that spirit baptism then is symbolized by water baptism as the either water by pouring or by, by immersion. Whatever, whatever the mode of baptism, in my mind, I don't think Paul was all that concerned as to how it's done. But the water baptism then is a symbolic, uh, is a sign, a representation that indeed the believer has been baptized by the Spirit of God. So if the apostle were writing to this congregation today, he may write something like this. Your ancestors came from many different countries, from many many different vocations and walks of life. Yet you have been baptized by water into the local body of Christ at East Petersburg Mennonite Church. And then in verse 13, Paul explains that the purpose of the Spirit is to incorporate all kinds of people into the one body of Christ. That's at the heart of Paul's theology. Race, such as Jew and Gentile, separate. Paul says you were Jews and or Gentiles. Some are slave and some are free. And now Paul says... Now you are baptized. That separation 
has been changed. Jerry Truex, who was one of my professors and also a pastor in Wichita, Kansas, stated, quote, Christ obliterates those distinctions. Diversity builds the unity of the body of Christ, end of quote. So Paul uses the, the body metaphor to emphasize the diversity of the body. And in the body, we need all the organs doing their various functions of hearing and smelling and seeing and of mobility. Eugene Peterson in the message says, it's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, if foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? He asked. Can you imagine how grotesque a body would be if the body was just one foot? If it were just one organ like, like the foot or if the body were an entire hand? And so we can be grateful that our bodies are designed the way God designed them and it's not composed of just one organ. Each of the organs of the body needs the other. And so the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Each organ of the body, the heart, the lungs, the pancreas, does its work to benefit the entire body. So Paul uses the body to emphasize the unity of the body. And so this is a wonderful example of all the members, its organs working together. And if one member is honored, Paul says, all are honored. All rejoice with it. Tom Rainier, a quote. When Paul was using a metaphor of the body to speak of the church, he did so for two primary reasons. First, the body is a unified whole. Likewise, the church is to be unified in its mission, purposes, ministries, and activities. Second, the body is not only unified, it's made up of many parts. End quote. And then in this passage, Paul ends this passage by asking a number of, he lists the, the um, gifts, and then he asks the question, uh, this rhetorical question. And you may have heard of the APES model of church leadership, and that APES model stands for the gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And Paul uses these gifts and lists them, and it's found in more basic form. Here's, here is the, are a number of gifts, but the more basic form is found in the book of Ephesians. 
And Paul here asks, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all evangelists, are all pastors and teachers? And the, in what we call a rhetorical question, and the implied answer is obvious, the answer is no. Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret, he asks. And the Corinthians know as a result of what they're reading, and we know as a result of what Paul says earlier in this chapter, that the implied answer is obviously not, that the answer is no. We don't have, not everybody has the same gift. So what do we take away? What can we learn? What can we learn from this passage and from this chapter in the book? Well, as Tom Lanier points out, in contrast to a, to a country club, church membership means we're actively using our gifts in the body of Christ. Tom Lanier says, with a country club membership, you pay others to do the work for you. With church membership, everyone has a role or function. That is why some are, are hands, feet, ears, or eyes, end of quote. So with the kind of membership that Paul is discussing, everyone is using his or her gifts for the welfare of the body and to assist one another in the body of Christ. Like I said, to be a priest at each other's elbow. The heart of the body does not say to the remainder of the body, I think I'll not work today. Instead, the heart that we have inside of us continues to pump rhythmically day and night, day and night, through, pump the blood throughout the body and doesn't say, well, I think I'll take a day off. Secondly, church membership means that we base our actions and attitudes on love, as Tom Lanier points out. Many Christians think that the next passage, 1 Corinthians 13, is to be found and applied to, to marriage and family situations. And that is one way it can be applied. But, as, as Tom Lanier says, the context of this love chapter refers to the relationships within the body of Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. These attributes and attitudes are fleshed out in the body of Christ. Thirdly, though we are different and have different gifts and roles in the body of Christ, we work together toward a common vision and goal for the common good. Some years ago, while we were living in Freeport, Illinois, uh, we had a fire in our house, and then right after that, I had a severe back injury, and I was off work for, for almost six weeks. And I realized anew, in that experience, I realized anew that I need to take better care of my body. 
And I also realized that when one's back is hurting, the entire body just really, really hurts. It's not just one's back, but it, I was hurting all over. The same is true for the body of Christ. If one member suffers, if one member is hurting, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. We affect and are connected to one another as we live and work together in the body of Christ. Liam and Michael had two very different perspectives of the same congregation. Michael and his wife were ready to say and did say, we will be active members. While Liam had become critical and cynical of the congregation and its pastor. Let us, I would invite us and encourage us to use our gifts, the gifts that first ask God to show you what gifts you have if you do not know, and then to use those gifts to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ as we serve one another, as we are a priest at each other's elbow, to be active members of this, the local body of Jesus Christ.